hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine podcast. YJBM is a PubMed-indexed quarterly journal edited by Yale medical graduate and professional students and peer-reviewed by experts in the field of biology and medicine. Each issue of the journal is devoted to a focused topic, and through the YJBM podcast, we will take you through the past, present, and future of the issue's subject matter. This episode is part of our series devoted to the June 2020 issue on medicinal plants. I'm your co-host, Kelsey Castle, a third-year graduate student in the Epidemiology Microbial Diseases Department. I'm your co-host, Felicia Hong, a second-year graduate student in Environmental Health Sciences. Today we're talking with some of the authors included in this issue. Tyler Ramsey, Kevin Chambers, Tibor Nagy, and Carrie Shropshire are co-authors of a review titled Essential Oils and Health, which dives into the complex and both positive and negative effects essential oils can have on our human health. Would you each like to go around and introduce yourselves, give us some background, and, and why you were interested in participating in this review? I'm Tyler Ramsey. I'm actually a or a former post-baccalaureate IRTA fellow at the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, and now I'm a third-year medical student at Campbell University, and I actually started getting interested in essential oils when I started at NIEHS. And basically, we started with an original article. It primarily focused on adolescent girls with lavender oil products, and they were actually seeing symptoms of breast growth. And so that's kind of how I started with the essential oils and becoming a little bit of an expert in that field. And so then I kind of started with that and then was actually asked to do a Reddit conference on essential oils with a couple of colleagues at other NIH institutes and the American Botanical Society. And now I was invited by Yale Journal of Biology Medicine to submit a review article basically summarizing all the health benefits of essential oils. Hello everyone, my name is Kevin Chambers. I'm a fourth year medical student at Campbell University. Um, so I'm going into emergency medicine for my specialty, but I've always had an interest in public health and also in psychology. So uh, Tyler asked me to be a part of this um, manuscript, and I kind of focused on the uh, psychological aspects of essential oils. Um, obviously, essential oils are involved in a lot of different topics, so I kind of honed in on that, and I hope you enjoy the manuscript. Hi everyone, um, my name is Tibor Nagy. I'm also one of the co-authors with the paper with Tyler Ramsey. I'm a MS4 uh, at Cambridge University as well, interested in going into emergency medicine. Um, I've been following Tyler's um, kind of journey with essential oils since the beginning of, of his time at the NIH. We were colleagues back from undergraduate um, at Appalachian State and uh, over the years, you know, I've been following what he's been doing and kind of getting more interested in the research that he was doing and how it was affecting, for example, the endocrine systems um, that he was studying. And, uh, you know, the, the opportunity presented itself and Tyler asked um, us, not just me, us to help him uh, kind of, you know, look at the literature and see the benefits of essential oils and some of the claims that they were, they were being made out there with the essential oils. And my, my part of the paper, I focus a lot on the antimicrobial properties um, of the essential oils. And that's kind of where, um, my interest began to grow a lot. Uh, my name is Carrie Shropshire. I am a third year medical student at Campbell University with Tyler. I actually met Tyler my first year of medical school because we're in the same graduating class together. 
and we served in the student government together as president and vice president. So we formed a really close relationship with one another and became like the best of friends. And I learned a lot about all of Tyler's previous research with the NIH, just in discussions with him off and on, and was really impressed, honestly, with all of his experience in research. And he asked me one day if I wanted to write this paper with him, and that's how I got involved. And it was just a really exciting opportunity for me, and I was really looking forward to the opportunity with Tyler and thankful that he asked me to do it. And so that's how I got involved with this paper. And I focused on the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant parts of the paper, as well as the insect repellent parts. Oh, that's amazing that you managed to suck all your friends into helping you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I said, wow, I felt pretty special with, you know, being recognized every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal in research is to you, everybody as interested as you are. <laughs> you're right. I know. Because when you're writing a review, it can be daunting with that many references. So um, as everybody referenced, you had previously worked at the NIEHS and, and are now a medical student. What was your experience transitioning? from working at the NIEHS and studying essentials to now being a medical student and then doing the Reddit AMA? Did you get a different perspective as you move through these different worlds? So um, I've had quite a bit of experience and, you know, I think it's been a, it's been pretty unique actually because I've came in as an, an undergraduate student of essentially going straight up into NIH that is a pristine research institute and so it was a big learning curve at the beginning um, where I was fortunate enough to have a PI that gave me a lot of free will to do what I wanted I actually got my own project and got a first paper out of it and so it was it was really interesting to start in that field with essential oils but then transitioning a little bit I learned so much about it because I ended up doing an oral presentation and a press release on the essential oils with the endocrine society at their 100th annual conference in chicago and so that really kind of blew up with media and so i really kind of had to respond a little bit and i got to see kind of all different sides of the perspective of essential oils from the industry's point of view to you know just the actual clear-cut science and now transitioning from an original article to a review and kind of doing a summary of everything it's kind of given me a broad spectrum. And so I think a lot of the times when you do see essential oils being portrayed in society, they're always seemed in a positive view more than a negative, which they do. But I mean, I definitely think that they should both be examined equally. Oh, yeah, it leads into my next question. So I was going to say that sometimes in the US, and maybe if you spent some time on Reddit after your AMA, Essential oils are occasionally linked to multi-level marketing schemes, which are also pyramid schemes. And sometimes they get sucked into like a negative connotation because of this, particularly in social media. And I wasn't sure what your thoughts were on using social media to, like you just said, shifting the understanding so that it is just a clear cut science and you are accurately describing both the positive um, benefits and potential negative benefits linked to certain essential oils. And you clearly have a lot of experience being on Reddit and then you did 
I went through your Twitter, not in a creepy way, but in like a nice way. And you obviously answer a lot of questions on Twitter as well regarding essentials. And it seems like you've made the most of social media to um, handle those questions. Yeah, Reddit was definitely interesting. I do think social media can be a little dangerous as well, because what you say sometimes can be really misconstrued and, you know, be talking with the media a lot. Now, you really have to be careful about what you say. And so I do think that social media can be a good platform for educating the public about certain products. However, there are some that, you know, the the ones that actively sell the essential oils, I do think there's more bias towards it. And that, that might be part of the problem with portraying all the benefits and, you know, that pyramid scheme that you're talking about as far as sucking people in and believing this certain way. A way to get around that is having more reviews such as what we did with summarizing the literature with all of the benefits and the risks. However, it might we, we really might need to move towards more something like a layman's terms because our article does do that with summarizing everything, but it's not for the general public because it's it's pretty complex stuff. I don't know if anybody else has anything to say about that as well. I was just going to say that, um, you know, it's important to engage um, everyone in the conversation about these oils and, and, and what they can do and what they can't do, um, you know, especially because you, you want to take out stigmas and make sure that you explain, people are aware of what they're walking into. So, and I think social media plays a huge part in kind of engaging those people who necessarily won't uh, pick up a scientific article and, you know, read it from top, from, you know, beginning to end. So, you know, kind of, you know, chopping it up into pieces so people can understand it makes it really, you know, easier for the information to be understood. So I think that's why it's kind of important to engage as many people as possible because, you know, it, it is a growing topic. Uh, there's more and more research and money being poured into essential oil. So that's how you kind of engage the general society into, you know, kind of making them part of the conversation. So as DO candidates, as, as DO candidates and students, um, is studying essential oils part of your education? Um, I can answer that and then someone can follow up if they want to. But I think a common misconception about DO students is that they practice holistic medicine in the sense that that means we study things such as essential oils. And um, that is not true. We actually haven't, that I can remember because we go over so much information so quickly, touched on essential oils at all. Holistic means in terms of a DO student approaching the patient in every aspect of a disease. And that comes with their mental health, their physical health, um, including what may be wrong with them medically, such as um, various illnesses, including diabetes or hypertension. Um, but really approaching the situation from um, a thousand step back and, and taking this person and everything that can affect them in terms of disease, um, all the way down to what's going on at home and, and evaluating them in that sense. And while that doesn't mean that it can't include essential oils because it it definitely could um if you look, take a look at this article there are potential risks risks and benefits and they could be using essential oils in a way that could harm them or help them that's how we learn to evaluate patients we actually in, include a, in part of our training um questions when we ask them about 
the drugs that they may or may not be taking and we have to go through the whole list and take their prescription medications over the counter medications and their vitamins and supplements and this this article is a a good way to show that um, you could honestly be asking patients, do you use essential oils? Because there are risks and benefits associated with the use of them. So that's kind of how we learn throughout our education as DO students. And just to jump off that a little bit, you know, the joke you always hear about medical school is it's not like learning by drinking from a watering fountain. It's more like uh, learning by drinking from a fire hydrant. Um, so kind of the approach medical schools take in our education is you want to learn the first line uh, treatment or, you know, the most common things first. And then, you know, a side effect of that is some of these newer um, alternative treatments, sometimes we don't get to uh, focus on as much. So, you know, sometimes it takes medical students like Tyler and those of us involved in this project, you know, to get a specific interest in order to further medical knowledge about that topic. But that's not to say that, you know, essential oils aren't worthy of being taught in medical school. It's just that, um, you know, until their mechanism and their benefits are elucidated a little bit more, you know, they're more sidelined uh, at the moment, but um, not to say that that can't change in the future. As more Americans, you know, see essential oils in their products and consider them more greatly, it sounds like you guys would be on the positive end of of them bringing that to their physician, like during their wellness checks, like mentioning that they're using essential oils and then and then having discussion with their provider over the interaction effects and, and their age and their other risk factors that you guys point out in the article. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely think it's it's to the benefit of the patient for the health provider to know, um, you know, the possible effects and side effects that these of these um, essential oils that the patients are using. Um, in in specific, you know, when it comes to interactions with other drugs that they may be taking for their, you know, their chronic condition or their acute conditions, um, you know, and and it's a little bit difficult as you know, future physician myself. Um, a lot of the health claims are not scientifically scientifically validated um, in the literature, um, and the side effects and the interactions are not very clear. So it is harder for a physician at the moment in time to, you know, really have a, a very detailed discussion about, you know, this specific essential oil that they're taking and whether that is safe or not safe. And it does what it, it you know, is being taken for. Uh, but there, there are growing studies. And I think some of my colleagues here will, will talk a little bit more about um, some of the ways that they're studying these effects a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, I think it's it's good for us to know, um, you know, and to start kind of, un- kind of uncovering really how much people are actually using these things too, you know, how, how you know, how big it is in terms of uh, the usage in, in the communities that the physicians are practicing so they can kind of dig further and further to understand uh, what could be uh, some of the benefits and effects of these essential oils. Um, And going off of Tibor, I definitely think this is a good question because um, I definitely think this should be more incorporated with the physician and patient. And I'll give you a good example of that. Um, So something like St. John's wort, which is a natural product, is a P450 inducer. So basically what that means is it enhances the metabolism of some 
really known drugs. And so St. John's wort's always been known to treat depression every bit as well as some prescription medications. And so I definitely think that that's something that a physician should be asking their patients because that's very, very powerful knowledge in guiding their treatment, um, how to prescribe a medication, um, and a lot of things like that. And so actually, it's kind of funny also that that um, questions come up as well, because a lot of the pediatricians now are asking um, their population if they're on essential oils, because it's become so well known now that um, lavender and tea tree oil can cause breast growth in young males and young females. And so it was actually discovered by a resident um, out in Colorado when he thought to ask that question. And that's kind of how all of this research began back in 2007 when it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. That's fascinating. <laughs> so uh, going off of that, as you pointed out, essential oils are, are extremely complex compounds and you start to get into it in the review and um, which can make it challenging to study in vivo, particularly if they're marketed as natural so they don't have to go through certain you know, regulations that like pharmaceuticals have to go through. Um, how, I don't know if you came across this in this research, but, uh, how are scientists and clinicians and, um, doctors designing trials to better understand essential oils and the pathways that they may affect in the body and, and any positive and negative effects? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with this topic and you guys can, uh, talk on it further, but, you know, essential oils, they're very different than, um, traditional medicines and things that uh, people study, you know, an essential oil comes from a plant and, you know, plants aren't just one compound, you know, they've done studies and shown that some of these plants can have hundreds and hundreds of different compounds in there. So, you know, I think a lot of people have that conception of, oh, lavender, you know, I can find some lavender and that's exactly what's going to end up in this essential oil compound, but it's not necessarily that simple. You know, um, you know, they've also shown that based on geographical location of the plant species, you know, the timing of the harvest, the chemical composition of these plants can be very different. So even just um, narrowing down exactly which compounds they want to study is very challenging um, for researching these uh, essential oils. Um, but I think in the past couple of years, there's been an added emphasis on how do we standardize this process of, you know, collecting these essential oil sa samples just so that for future studies, the compound can be standardized across the board. And then you can do, um, you know, more legitimate research into effects of the essential oil. And in terms of the psychological effects of essential oils, you know, a lot of the research has to be doubly blinded. Uh, you know, the patient can't always be aware of what compound um, they're, you know, being studied with because, you know, as a normal person, you have knowledge of what a lot of these essential oils smell like. You know, most people can recognize the scent of lavender, you know, lemon oil. So all of these substances already have a preconceived um, feeling or connotation for the patient. So that makes studying them a little bit more difficult because you know how much of it is the 
placebo effect bias and how much of it is the actual effect of the essential oil. But luckily, essential oils can be delivered, at least in humans, they can be delivered in a couple different ways, you know, either the olfactory glands, topically, and they can even be ingested. So um, there's so many different routes for using these essential oils that, you know, basically the door is wide open for people that want to do these clinical trials and things. Um, you know, and I think we're getting to that point. In the past, it's been uh, more in vitro and animal trials, but, you know, the emphasis now is growing towards human trials, and I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, and some essential oils are now being available in pill form, like there's Selexin, which is a um, version of lavender that you can take in a pill form so that you can avoid, um, you know, people who have trouble with the inhalation, you know, maybe some type of allergic uh, reaction to, um, you know, strong scents like that. Uh, they now have other options. But, you know, I'll let my co-authors touch a little bit on that topic as well. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's aware that essential oils are comprised of hundreds of components. And actually, um, the International Organization for Standardization has tried to standardize essential oils a little bit. Um, and so there are, even though there are hundreds of compounds, depending on the extract of the plant, they mandate that certain percentages of certain um, chemicals in the product are, have to be in the actual product to label it as lavender oil or tea tree oil. And so, and then the rest can kind of be whatever the plant has. So, I mean, if you, if you go take um, a GCMS on any of these, you'll get different percentages of all of them. And that's kind of how we started my first article on lavender oil. We kind of went through and picked out those high percentage um, chemicals that could be causing the breast growth in those young males and females. And it is difficult to study these. And so, and, and there's a lot of controversy around studying these because what are the effects with in vitro versus in vivo versus humans? And so the only way you can really even figure out if there's any activity to begin with is to start with an in vitro project. And a lot of the National Toxicology Program and the National Institute of Environmental Health Science, that's kind of what their main goal is in the first place. They take all of these environmental substances and um, basically analyze all of them at one time in 512 well plates. And so to even see if there's activity to progress that to an in vitro trial and the or an in vivo trial um, and before we, you can even look to see if there are human effects at all. And even, even then you've got chemicals that could have synergistic effects and you're not really sure exactly what could be causing that. I did try and answer that in that last paper a little bit to see if there was any synergistic effects. If you had one chemical plus this one, did it elicit a higher response or a lower response? Um, but that is definitely a very difficult question to answer. Yeah, so Tyler mentioned earlier about prescribing like medicine and having like essential oils in mind when prescribing. So in a world that's increasingly pharmaceutical, prescribing kind of just becomes a standard of many medical interactions. So how do you all believe or would hope essential oils fit into this paradigm? 
I just want to emphasize that on average, it takes at least 10 years for a new medicine to complete the journey from initial discovery to the marketplace with clinical trials alone taking six to seven years on average. And that's for um, pharmaceuticals, um, as in marketed drugs. There are four phases of drug development that are part of that process. Um, so drug development is really intricate and it's a lengthy endeavor that is highly, highly, highly regulated. In order for essential oils to be marketed and produced as a pharmaceutical is, they would have to be manufactured and studied in the same way and held to the same standards as drugs are. And right now, currently, they, they absolutely are not. And so we would have to see the same kind of trend for essential oils um, that you see for pharmaceuticals in order to market them in the same way. Well, and it's interesting also that the U.S. is one of a, is, is a country that doesn't regulate essential oils. And that actually has become a little bit controversial after um, publishing my first paper because the FDA actually did reach out to me specifically. Basically the summary of my data and what it showed because they were interested to see if you know essential oils are concerning and if they actually should regulate it because there are other countries that actually do regulate all of their essential oils because they are aware of some of the um, ramifications and adverse effects that could be caused by that. And so I do think that that's something that could be changed or could be changing in the future as the FDA continues to monitor that a little bit more. That was something that I was surprised about because in the review it says that citronella is um, banned in Europe and Canada due to potential carcinogenic properties. But um, here in the US, we still market citronella candles as like a really effective way and like safe way compared to DEET. I guess a lot of things are safe, but a safe way to um, keep mosquitoes away from you during the summer. So I don't, that was interesting because you would never know and you trust things that are generally in the store, I think, um, reveals that the U.S. might have a different process for that. Okay, so like Tyler was saying, uh, here in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration does not regulate essential oils. And you can look at that in the same way that they do not regulate dietary supplements. They're just produced and put straight to the market. And um, that, that could be a huge problem. Um, I think it's easy for people to visualize that in terms of dietary supplements and things that have gone wrong with things like uh, weight loss um, dietary supplements that are just put out there and people being harmed by those. Um, specifically back to citronella, in our paper we mention uh, the compound that is in citronella, methyl eugenol. And it has been found to be a known carcinogen to animals and it has been mentioned in the United States to be anticipated as a carcinogen to humans, yet it's sold on the market in products such as diffusers, natural bug repellents, um, herbicides, and candles, as you mentioned before. And something that most people learn if they take science at any point in their life is if you smell it, you've been exposed to it. And so I think most people can think um, about a time where they've lit a citronella candle and smelled it. And so a lot of people have been exposed to methyl eugenol, which is, has been found to be a carcinogen. So I think it presents two problems, um, 
both dietary supplements and essential oils should be regulated prior to being placed on the market and that we are lacking quality research overall in the field of essential oils with it taking off recently in the past few years. So hopefully we'll be able to start develop readily available resources like um, previously mentioned, I think by Tibor that are in layman's terms for consumers to have that clearly outline risks and benefits of the products they're using before they choose to purchase them. Well, as we wrap up, I just wanted to comment that your manuscript was pretty unique in that um, it feels very clear and accessible explanations of essential oils, especially to people like me who don't really know that much about them. And you go through like very systematically both the positives and, um, and potential drawbacks to certain essential oils. So um, it made a great read for anybody who's interested in learning more about the chemical makeup. And since it's such a long review, people can go back through and read the actual references and like see the original material if they're interested in learning more. Like, I always get this question every time I get uh, get asked from the media. Do you suggest Americans get cut back on essential oils or my opinion towards it too? I don't know if you want to ask that controversial of a question though. I think it's a good question. I think, yeah. I, do you think that um, Americans should, yeah, regulate their use of essential oils, especially given how many products that we use every day it could be in? So typically the, the answer I give with this to stay more in the middle is that I think that Americans should be way more cognizant of what they use every day. Um, and it kind of goes to show that chronic use of essential oils, and for that matter, anything, usually is the culprit for the adverse effects. And so all, most of the adverse effects that are ever seen are usually a chronic usage of essential oils. And so the health benefits, um, as far as um, essential oils go, are, I mean, I mean there, there have been quite a few of them. But I do think that um, a lot of the times when you overuse a product, you, you can definitely get an adverse effect from it. And so I would, I would probably caution the um, or Americans in general about, you know, doing their homework instead of, you know, believing what someone else says about something. In the um, tea tree oil article that you mentioned, that was really what spurred a lot of this. How much tea tree oil were they using, or did they suspect was being used to lead to negative effects? So most of these, um, most of the people using the lavender oil and tea tree oil were using it every day or multiple times a day in multiple different products. Most of the time, so they were they were they were using lotions or cologne that was constantly being used every day. There are a few exceptions, such as like a, um, a teacher's diffuser, where you did see breast growth. Um, with that being removed from the classroom, the, the breast growth actually did regress. So there are a few exceptions where, you know, you can just have the inhalation of something and it caused that kind of problem. And so that's where it kind of sparks an interest if, if it's a genetic component or is it an epidemiological one where 
you know, you have certain groups that do use them more often or, or are they more susceptible to it? And it could be a combination of both. And so that's where it's really interesting. And I definitely think that's where research should be taken a little bit more because we don't know, we don't know that at all. I wanted to add one more thing, um, yeah. it's kind of like a wrap up. Um, I think at the end of the day, um, it's about the safety of these essential oils. Um, you know, it's uh, how true are these health claims? Um, what are the side effects? What are the active ingredients, right? And I think as scientists and, you know, future healthcare providers, um, it's our job to get those answers. So, and I think, you know, these kind of publications, they kind of open the doors for, you know, more scientists to start pouring their, their time and, and dedication to it so we can have these answers, so we can, you know, discover more and more about these oils. So I think that's kind of the, the you know, the point of all of this is really to look for those answers. I wanted to thank you all for being here. And I'm, it's really nice to interview fellow, like, students who are still in the middle of their study who've taken the time out to write a review because um, it's just nice to showcase uh, student work. So thank you, Tyler, Kevin, Tibor, and Carrie for joining us today. There are many people behind the scenes that you never get a chance to hear today. That was kind of Felicia because she had poor Wi-Fi. But um, thank you to the Yale School of Medicine for being our home for YJBM in the podcast. And thank you to the Yale Broadcast Center for helping with editing and publishing our episodes. I'd also like to thank uh, the YJBM editorial board, especially our editors-in-chief, Amelia Hallworth and Wei Ying. We'd also like to thank Kavita's Ronnie Winger and Nathan Botchtal, who were the deputy editors for Medicinal Plants Issue, and, and they were the ones who originally reached out to Tyler to even write such an interesting review. Finally, uh, thanks to you, the audience, for tuning into this episode of the YJBM podcast. We love to hear your feedback and questions, so feel free to tell us your thoughts by emailing us at yjbm at yale.edu. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it on SoundCloud or, SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts.